fine. Don't worry. No, is this is this good here? Let's see. Uh, yeah, just if you want to, uh, here we go. That's probably good. Just uh, if you want to count to ten or sing one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. In a world where people strive to conquer the digital landscape, the best leaders are moving forward and planting flags. This is the Oil & Gas Digital Doers podcast, where you can hear about the thrill of digital victory and the industry's best guidance on how to win with your host, Michael O'Sullivan. Hey folks, welcome back to the all-new Oil & Gas Digital Doers podcast right here on the Oil & Gas Global Network. This is where we just talk about getting digital done. This episode and uh, every episode on this show, as I say, is uh, brought to you by our very good friends at Topcoder. Um, If you're not, uh, if you don't know about Topcoder and you're thinking about digital transformation, which obviously you are, then um, you got to check out Topcoder because this they, they, they pioneered this thing called open talent models. And yes, there are other people out there doing this, but Topcoder is the original. They have it, they have it ironed out. They do it extremely well. And, um, and they, uh, they, they know how to help you, get, uh, help you get digital done. So check out topcoder.com. We do love our sponsors at OGGN because, as I always say, without them, there is no us. And if you don't have us, then there is nowhere to go for this fantastic content. So show our sponsors some love, not just for this show, but for all the OGGN podcasts. By the way, there are a whole bunch of them. We are the Oil & Gas uh, Global Network, which means we have several podcasts, and you can learn about all of them on the OGGN website, which is coincidentally OGGN.com. You're not going to want to listen to them there, but you can see what they all are. You can learn about the hosts, and then you can link out to your favorite podcast platform to uh to i I, we we there's enough we have enough we keep you going all day long there's no shortage of fantastic content on oggn i am sitting here today at the fabulous cannon on the west side of houston where the sun is always shining and the birds are always singing and the people are always happy um we are uh, as you know this is one of our favorite places to hang out and do podcasts i have a fantastic guest with me um, we're going to be talking about uh, innovation because go figure innovation is part of digital transformation um but uh but real quick first before we get to the guest i got to tell you about something else that's going on here at the canon which is um we got a special deal with the canon now and uh and and this is really this will only work for those of you who are in houston or if you're visiting houston it will work for you as well if you show up at the canon which is a huge beautiful fantastic co-working facility with lots of interesting people if you show up um, and tell them that you heard about it on OGGN and then you'll get a free day pass so what could be better than that just show up at the Canon and get your free day pass check it out you can also get three months free on something on a platform they have called Canon Connect which uh, it just is is a great way for entrepreneurs uh, it's a it's a startup community platform for entrepreneurs check it out it's all online and uh, of course there's links to all of this in the show notes um, and, and, and one more thing that's happening, another great thing that's happening at the Canon is we are now doing the OGGN monthly happy hours again. It's there on the last Thursday of every month. We got great food, great drinks, lots of good people, good panel discussions. So, um, the next one, uh, I'm not sure. It depends on when you hear this episode. The next one is on July 29th, but if you miss that one, there will be one at the end of August. So you can learn about all that on our, um, the best place to go is to look at it, look us up on LinkedIn and you can learn. Okay. 
enough about that. Uh, I'm sitting here today at the at the cannon with Tom McDonald from Sherlock Resources. I got that right, right? I'm, yes. I, I was just uh, just checking my notes here. So, uh, thanks for making time to come in here. Thank yeah. you for having me. Yeah, it's uh, is this have you you've been here before, right? I've been here many times. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it is a really cool place. Yes, I mean, I've been here quite a few times. Uh, there's events here, actually OGGN events that yeah, I've been to. Yeah, yeah. And there's okay. one coming up that I plan to be at so as well. So there you go. So there you go. Living, breathing evidence that people do come to the OGGN events. I think we had, um, you were here for the one in June, right? Correct. Uh, so we had, I think we had about 100 people. Um, that sounds something, right. Something like that. Um, because the steps over here were pretty well filled up. Yeah. And... Um, so, uh, um, I, but but we used to have more. We used to have 150, 200 people. But I think coming we'll get back, back to that, I think I think 100 was pretty good just to get to show up. Uh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so you got to hear the the fascinating panel discussion that was moderated by yours truly. The, I did. Uh, what were yes. we? It was uh, something about what was it? I don't even remember now. Uh, it was uh, it was about. I remember it was very good. It was it was good. It was fantastic. <laughs> It was excellent. We just don't remember what it was about. But you're never going to know, listeners, you'll never know what the panel discussions are about unless you show up to the events. So, okay, today today we got a bunch of things to talk about, but just first a little bit about you. I know that you're from Sherlock Resources, and I I think formerly, you know, you've been with some other big names in the talent world like like Hire Better and Insperity, um, and, uh, and you have recently... Uh, written a book and yes. published and published a book, Correct. which uh, is the real key. It's the publishing part because I wrote one one time, but nobody cared about it and it didn't, okay. it didn't, get, it didn't get published. So, um, so I want to get to that uh-huh. um, and talk about the book. And uh, also, though, I I got to I got to pause on this one thing though because because I was looking at your background. It looks like you made a like over the years you've made a circuit from like something like the New York, New Jersey area to Florida to Texas. So did I, did I? Yes, I'm originally from upstate New York. Okay. I did my undergraduate college at the University of Buffalo. Okay. And after- Sunny, tropical Buffalo, New York. Yeah, so after finishing college in Buffalo, I moved immediately to Miami. (laughs) Like all the other New Yorkers, that's right. And so I had no clothes to wear. My parka just didn't come in handy. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I started my first job out of college was with a bank in Miami and I transferred with that bank up to um, okay. up to their location in Jacksonville and spent many years in Jacksonville, Florida. I've been here in Houston for nine years. Oh, okay. So, you, so you've been, it's been a little while. Okay. I, I, so this doesn't come up very often, but I actually grew up in New Jersey. Um, and, but my parents moved to, to Houston when I was in high school. So my, um, so I've been here for, I don't want to say how many years that was, <laughs> but let's just say that when we moved here, um, the colors were bright and the music was sparkly. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, uh, but people like to say, but back then when we moved here to Houston, there was this thing, this concept of people being a native Houstonian and, and it was hardcore. Like it, unless you were born here, it didn't matter how long, if you were 98 years old and you moved here when you were two and you've been here for 96 years, you're still not a native Houstonian. But I think the rules have relaxed on that over the years. Well, I, uh, what I more. noticed when I moved here was it was very welcoming and yeah. the people here were very helpful in terms of um, really anything, where to find things, uh, introductions to uh, meeting people, uh, yes. in the business community and in the personal uh, in the personal side but people were very welcoming and very friendly yeah so that is actually somewhat in contrast so when we came here in the 80s I want to say it was it was it was in the early 80s very early 80s um, 
the attitude and 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 I and I love Texas. And I'm never and I'm never leaving. And, and uh, but but the attitude back then was a little bit more like welcome to Texas. Now go home. <laughs> um, but in fact, I think there was actually a bumper sticker that, that said that. And uh, but I think so. My theory is that uh, so I'm, I'm bringing this around to relevance. Uh, is the oil and gas industry I think has really helped take Houston from what I first was introduced to to what you now know because because there's been so many people I mean this industry has brought so many people to Houston that from all different parts of the world not just different parts of the country but like all over the world and and by all over the world I don't just mean like two places I mean like all the places yes it's definitely very diverse yeah so and you're in the talent business so I'm sure you're seeing people right now from I mean from from Europe, from Africa, from from Latin America, from from sure. all over, all right? the time, yeah, yeah. I I've been in several meetings where I I you know like meeting after meeting, and I'm th- actually the only native English speaker right, right. in the. Uh, in the <laughs> although my Norwegian friends will argue with me about what constitutes a native English speaker, but that's a whole other that's a whole other thing. <laughs> right. So all right, so uh, so here you are now, and uh, and and you well, well before we get to the book. Uh, a little bit about like what you're doing now, Sherlock Resources. What is that all about? And, okay. And what do you guys? Well, doing? Sherlock Resources was founded in 2013 by Sue Orr, and uh, she was originally a chemist, but uh, then went back and got her MBA in HR, got her SPHR. So that's really interesting, right there, because not too many scientists want to give it up and go deal with people on a regular basis. Well, I'll come back to that too. Okay. So. So she worked for several different companies over the years and in 2013 went out on her own and formed Sherlock Resources doing recruiting and talent management consulting, right. mostly in oil and gas. Um, we've shifted away uh, from being exclusively oil and gas and we work in many different industries at this point, manufacturing, supply chain, even biotech, uh, digital data science, supply chain um, Really, any uh, technology-driven business is our, is our arena. But Sue has been recruiting engineers and scientists and technical folks for over 20 years and can speak both about the technical side of the work as well as the business and HR side, which is uh, one of our uh, unique or somewhat unique uh, value propositions in the marketplace because that becomes very important to understand uh, the, the work that you're talking about. And over 20 years... She's worked with really many different engineering and technology disciplines, not just chemistry. Yeah, I, I can actually vouch for that being a real challenge. I, I, I've, I've worked with, um, with some companies in the past where we were trying to, you know, de- during boom time, we were desperately trying to bring on new people um, who had very, uh, like, highly technical science or engineering skills. In this case, it was in the world of geoscience, right? Geoscience and software. Um, and one of the hardest things was trying to have somebody, to, to have the person on the that you were working with to go find those people actually understand what they were looking for. Right. right? That yeah, was that's the very toughest, important. That was the toughest thing. I, like almost, sometimes you just couldn't, like, it was almost impossible. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. Because unless you've been in that world, how else do you, yes. how else do you know? Yeah. So um, my career started out more in the accounting and finance world, um, but over the years I've spent uh, a lot of time in operations, client management, business development, market development. Um, I've done a startup. I've been an entrepreneur. I've done different things in my career. So 
Uh, my career path has been a little bit unconventional. I worked for large companies like AT&T oh, and, yeah, yeah. and smaller companies as well. Yeah. So uh, I've done a number of different things. And several years ago, I joined Sue and Sherlock Resources is just the two of us. It's Sue Orr and myself. And we so are neither a, one of you is named Sherlock. So no, we're, we're <laughs> Sherlock is uh, really after Sherlock Holmes, like looking uh, for the right talent. Uh, gotcha, I gotcha. for people okay. for companies. So if you look at our logo, it's a it's a purple squirrel with a magnifying glass. I did and notice a, that. And yeah. um, yeah. oftentimes at trade shows, we'll hand out Sherlock little caps, yeah, you know, like yeah. Sherlock Holmes wears. Uh, cool. Um, yeah. So that's where that name came nice, from. Nice. Nice. Um, so when I joined. Sue, um, we are, like I said, just a small boutique. There's only two of us. Um, and we, we look to be strategic partners with our clients um, and partner with our clients and help them grow over time. And uh, my role predominantly has been on, uh, on the community outreach, business development, thought leadership side. Right. And with respect to thought leadership, uh, when I joined Sue a few years ago, I started up our thought leadership program, and we would host various events, live events, dinners, yeah, uh, yeah, panel yeah. discussions, those sorts of things. And I remember those days when we used to have all those live events. <laughs> yeah, and then when uh, when COVID hit, um, I did some things online and decided to write this book. Write the book. Okay. So the reason we do the thought leadership is that we 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 don't like to think of ourselves as just a run of the mill staffing firm. And uh, we like to think that we are a consulting firm and we think like business people. And um, so the thought leadership uh, angle to our, to our business is that we are in fact at the forefront of the technologies and the people and the organizations and the events that, that are cutting edge in the arenas that we work in. And that's yeah. the reason we do thought leadership. It's, it's who we are. Got it. Yeah. So, um, so I decided to write this book, which I get. I guess we'll come back yeah. to here in a few minutes. No, actually, so we're just <laughs> we're just about there. I, at this point, so at this point in the program, some of our listeners might are probably thinking, "Okay, Tom sounds like a really nice guy and everything, but why are you talking to a staffing uh, recruiting guy on a show about uh, uh, about digital doers?" Um, so, and the thing that made me um, because we also have some other podcasts about you know about the about the world of, of talent and, and careers and things mm -hmm. like that. However, the thing I think that is interesting about what you have and, and what, you're, um, uh, what you're addressing in the, in the book, which uh, is, I had it here somewhere, what's the, the title of the book is? Uh, Paving the Way, that's right, Paving the Way, Innovation, Talent, and the Path Forward. So, innovation, let's, let's, that's, that's kind of your, your passion, right. your, your wheelhouse, that's how we bring, that's, and, and when we talk about digital transformation in oil and gas, and how people are getting it done, because that's what we really want to. We want to talk about how people are getting it done. Like we don't care about the people that are not getting it done. We want to know what. People, and 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 innovation is is key. Obviously, and we talk, we throw the word innovation around all the time. Like 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 practically everything is innovation. Like Starbucks comes out with a new cup, and we call that innovation, right? <laughs> um, but um, and, and but but clearly, like 
the, the innovation has to be there for the transformation, and the talent has to be behind the innovation. So all these things are part of the same. So, so let, but let's talk about when when you think about innovation from your from where you're operating. What are you thinking about or looking for, or, or how does that come together? That's an excellent question. Um, let me answer that, and this is in my book too. There there are really two scales of innovation. One is what I call incremental innovation. Um, and the other is transformational innovation. I am focused in this book on transformational innovation, and that means that it has a very large impact on the way things are done moving forward. Um, if you are a fan of Clayton Christensen and his work on innovation, he specifically defines disruption or disruptive innovation to be changes that actually alter the industry structure going forward. So. Um, what, what I'm focused on is not the incremental changes like the new coffee cup at Starbucks and right, other yeah, such yeah. things, um, but large-scale innovation. And in fact, in this book, I use, uh, as a case study, I use the very large impact innovation that's happening right now in industrial and commercial construction and the, the movement, if you will, that's happening and that is centered out of the University of Texas at Austin and the Construction Industry Institute, that's the CII, and CURT, the Construction Users Roundtable, and the private uh, company uh, consortium and commercialization arm called Prairie Dog. And they are heavily quoted in my book, and I worked very closely with these folks, uh, understanding the very large impact change that's happening there that in fact is uh, in large part driven by digital transformation and things that are happening there in smart contracts powered by blockchain technology. And so that's how it ties back to digital transformation. Gotcha. Okay. So that was a, so you covered a, so you put a bunch of uh, stakes in, in various parts of the ground there as you moved along. So we'll, we'll back up and let's start with the first one, which is, um, so I got, I got the part about transformational versus uh, incremental. I, I will say that, it, you know, in the oil and gas industry, and I know your your study is on 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 heavy construction, um, which which may have some of the same concerns. Um, you know, like like we've made our peace with the fa with the notion that that we need to be transformational and disruptive and large scale change and all those kinds of things. Words that in oil and gas tend to make people nervous and and we've sort of we've sort of made our peace with those ideas but we're still not real comfortable with them in some cases right um so as soon as because because in this industry we think about the amount of capital that's at stake the amount of people's lives that are at stake the complexity of the operations and all of this stuff that has been done in certain ways over many decades because because it's the way to it's 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 the the least risk safest most likely to not throw a billion dollars down the toilet right mm -hmm. um and and so we're still kind of like learning how to embrace this notion of large scale change right yes. so how, how do you how do you see that um that that's an interesting out? question actually two things you mentioned there are featured in my book two sort of guiding principles if you will um, capital efficiency and the human talent aspect of it, which right. is, again, how it relates to Sherlock Resources. Um, but the case study that I include in here 
shows and even provides numbers and return on investment calculations showing how this particular innovation, transformational change movement is increasing the capital efficiency of the industry, meaning how do we get more bang for the buck? Yeah, yeah. How do we get more construction for the dollar? How do we make more things happen for you know, each quantity of input? And then on the talent side, how do you create business ecosystems and business uh, entities that attract and retain talent for the long term? And uh, that, that's been a problem in many of the industrial sector areas. Um, and, and there are things that are happening that are changing that. And that's part of what I cover here in the book is improving the capital and the human capital efficiency and effectiveness uh, through innovation as well and the things that are the, the key points that are important there yeah okay so that so that's um so we probably don't have time to get into that piece in detail but let's just assume that that there's a there's a methodology for that right um uh and there's a way to um there's a way forward uh, path the way for paving the way. Yes, there's a way forward on those. Um, now, uh, one of the other things that you mentioned in there, I'm, I'm, I'm like rewinding the tape in my head, um, is, uh, um, oh, the, the movement that's coming out of UT that you said, right? So yes, OS2. OS2. So not OS2, the not so successful operating system from IBM uh, uh, decades ago, but uh, this is something different, I think, right? Y yes, there's yeah. a long story on how it <laughs> came to be named that, but it's, they, yeah. they refer to it as the OS2 movement. Yeah, yeah. So, so, what, so what is that all about? That is a, a, a group of researchers and practitioners, leading-edge thinkers and leading-edge doers in the large industrial and commercial construction space uh, developing an entirely new business model for getting work done. So it's not tweaking the process around the edges or incrementally improving on the management science of the 1950s and 60s, which is essentially our current management science model was developed mostly in the 50s and 60s. It's, it's actually a complete replacement of the business model and new approaches to uh, managing projects there's a whole element uh, related to organizational and inter-organizational dynamics, as well as uh, proprietary work that's happening in this movement, uh, mostly centered at, the, at UT Austin in dynamic risk modeling. And some of that is even proprietary. So I, I do yeah, discuss yeah. that in the book, but there are, there are things You're, that even I am not privy on, to. Yeah. But okay, there so are new approaches to managing in this industry. Th and this gets to the, our, and you mentioned that our, our friends from Data Gumbo are featured in the, in the, in the book yes. as well, which are, I think we're sitting right over top of their office right now. Yes, we are. Um, but uh, yeah, but, that, but their whole smart contracts and everything. Uh, That's part of it, yes. That, right? yeah. It's not, as we talked about earlier as well, Impactful innovation is not just a matter of deploying new technology. The, the, the right behavioral aspects need to come along with it, as well as governance management, uh, risk management. Uh, like I said, the behavioral aspects of this, you can't just throw a new gizmo out there and have it change everything. That doesn't work. So large-scale innovation like this is multifaceted and complex, and that's why I selected it as the case study. Yeah, yeah for this, and then I go on to talk about talent and what, um, you know, what, what the impl implications are for talent in 
a dynamically changing environment like this? And then what does that mean for recruiting and building teams and those sorts of things, which then ties that back to what we do at Sherlock Resources? Right, which, is, okay, so I, I want to get to that in a second as well. But um, you said something interesting a few minutes ago about innovation. In fact, I think it was when we were chatting earlier you said that um, innovation doesn't necessarily need to involve technology at all. Sure. Right? So, so explain that a little bit more. Because, you know, we think of, like, nowadays, innovation, technology, technology, innovation, they're, you know, they, they go together like... Well, it goes back yeah. to your point on the Starbucks cup. If yeah. it's just shaped a little different, there's, it's not very high tech. It's no, just it's a different not. way of yeah, doing yeah, it. Yeah, fair enough. But the, I think uh, a little bit more robust answer is that Innovation has commercial value if it's providing customers with a better way of meeting their needs and getting things done for them, as Clayton Christensen talks about jobs to be done. So it's, it's a better way of doing things for people that they're willing to pay for um, that may leverage new technology. And in some cases, in, in a lot of cases, it does. Um, it doesn't have to, but it, it might involve new technologies or new process methodologies or um, a, a shift in regulations that allow companies to do things differently. So there, there are many different aspects to innovation. It doesn't have to be tied to technology, although in many cases yeah. it, it can be. Well, you're coming, you're coming back to something that we, it's funny because um, this is like one of those things that we learn over and over again. I feel like we're in the matrix, um, which is that I mean, I remember when I, I sort of fell into the world of corporate IT by accident in like the mid 90s, mid late 90s. And there was and that was right before, you know, the big like the dot com boom. And but not just dot, well, you know, client server technology was taking off. And then the next thing you know, we had web and we had like there were just like every every day there was all of this new tech that was being that was being shopped to executives from all these all these different companies and pretty soon evolved this saying that we still say today which is um, you know you should never do technology for technology's sake and right. and we keep doing it like we know that saying right like we 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 learned that lesson like like in whatever it was I think probably the first time I heard somebody say that was was 98 or 99 but we still keep doing it it's the right? shiny object yeah it is it is so so we start chasing digital transformation and 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 you just that that same problem keeps coming back so what you're describing is really you say innovation doesn't necessarily like it's it's not about the technology per se yeah right? in in, the, in this particular case in my case study it it's not highlighting blockchain technology and smart contracts for the sake of the technology. It's that that technology is intertwined with a larger and broader behavioral and process approach to getting things done in a, in a better way. And so it becomes an integral component of the innovation, but it's not the innovation per se. Right, yeah. So now, though, however, you get to this other problem that I've, I've seen people have where you've got you know so i'll use my i'll use my boxing ring metaphor where in in one corner you have uh the innovator and in the other corner you have the operator like the person who actually has to like run the business and the innovator wants to do 
has these cool ideas for new ways to do valuable things, real stuff in the business. And the, and the person who has to run the business, the operator, says, okay, but I need to understand some things. Like, when am I going to have it? How much is it going to cost? How do I implement it? How much is it going to disrupt my business? What do I need to do? Like, like all of that, like the like reality stuff, um, and then, but 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 innovation is not always happy with those constraints sometimes, right? Because sometimes when you're innovating, you don't really, you don't really know when you're going to have it, right? Right. So there's kind of like the the creative process of innovation. So do you get into that at all in your in your in your book? Is that <laughs> uh, well, yes, in a way. I've seen knockdown dragouts over this. That's why I use the boxing ring metaphor. <laughs> yeah. Yes, in a way. Um, I talk about um, differences in how large companies versus small dynamic companies approach innovation and innovation can be successful in either um, and there are some different ways of getting that done in either and there are new types of organizations emerging um, that one of the uh, contributors to my book refers to as higher order organizations um, whereby uh, or micro organizations and you can read about those in more detail in my book but essentially um, there are uh, new, new approaches emerging to attract innovative people to larger companies. Um, there are um, this a is lot what you, so you mentioned high, higher order organizations. Higher, high, higher order organizations sounds like something. I, 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 again, it sounds like we're in the matrix. But um, um, higher order and what was the other one thing you said? Micro. Oh, the micro. Yes. So uh, what? Without getting too far into that, basically what that's referring to um, is everybody knows that job tenures are getting shorter. It, sure. Uh, just 10 years ago, it was nine and a half years. Average job tenure, now it's three and a half. That's also Ooh, becoming yeah. more and more true for companies. And micro-organizations are being formed for specific purposes. And then there's an end or a termination to that organization once it's achieved that organization or once that objective. The objective, right? So there are there are different kinds of business entities being formed. Yeah. Well, and you so you mentioned big companies are doing some things to attract the, the you know to be to become more a more exciting destination. I guess sure would be the um, so like what for example like if I'm if I'm out there and I'm working for a big company and I'm looking I'm staring at my digital transformation roadmap and trying to figure out how to get down the road um, how do I how do I attract those people well a lot of the larger companies uh, particularly in Houston and oil and gas are uh, breaking out startup ecosystems uh -huh. yeah, outside yeah. the main Oh, yeah. Framework of their I think company. actually there's a couple of them here in the canon, if I'm not mistaken, because you sure. walk around here and you see some pretty big, you know, when I see the Chevron logo downstairs, I'm pretty sure that Chevron hasn't moved into the canon, right? You right. Know, or, or, or Shell or, or some, or Technip FMC is down there. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah. So that, that's a way that larger companies are experimenting with, um, it may not be correct to use the word pilot, but to experiment with innovation in a way that it's uh, supported by the larger company, but not right, I uh, got you. dependent on sure. the larger organization. Sure. It's, it's interesting stuff. I think, did we come, I think we came around and covered everything. Uh, did, did, was there anything, have, have we left out anything? Uh, I think so, but that just means that people have to read yeah, the they book. they got to read the book to, to find <laughs> out the rest. 
of the story. How do people, uh, just before we wrap up here, uh, people want to learn more, uh, we'll put a link to, to the book in uh, uh, in the show notes. The Amaz- it's yeah, on book's Amazon, on Amazon. Right? Yep. Yeah, so we'll put a link there. We'll put a link to your it's website. It's a quick read. It's 80 pages. It's 80, 80 pages. That's uh, that. That's a tough editing job to get something to get something you know concise like that. That's nice. I like uh, I like to be able to uh, read something quick. And so we'll, we'll do that. What else? Uh, uh, where else can people look to learn more about uh, about you and about your company? LinkedIn, our website. Um, give me a all, call. All the usual stuff, right? <laughs> Send me okay. an email. So you are easy to find on LinkedIn. I can I can say that. Um, and you said you're going to be getting back into the live events. Uh, eventually, right? yes, we'll yeah, be so. uh, we'll be getting back into live events, um, you know, as soon as that makes sense, and putting on thought leadership events and and hosting things that any anywhere from a panel discussion to a happy hour and everything in between. Cool. Yeah. Good. Good. All right. And and thank you for coming to the OGGN event. Thank you it's again always, for having me, giving me the opportunity uh, to to share my my book and a little bit about our recruiting practice and yeah, a little bit about who we are. Uh, so I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, I, th- I appreciate you making time coming down here. I'll, I guess I'll see you. Uh, see you. It's next Thursday, I think. At the I plan at to be the, there at, yes. the, at, the, at our at the OGGN July Happy Hour. I think I might be moderating the panel, but I'm not. I don't think we've sorted that out yet. I, I think it, it's always a scramble. Uh, like you know and you know this from doing events that like the last two weeks before or a week before you know you're trying to like get your panelists lined up and you're trying to figure out who's doing what and it all just comes it's together more in this work flurry, than people think flurry of activity at the end okay so tom mcdonald thank you for uh for making time today thanks for coming down to the canon i just gotta call, i just gotta wrap up uh, a couple more things here uh, i want to say thanks again to our sponsor top coder for making this all possible we do love our sponsors and uh we love them not just because they they help us pay the bills well they don't help us pay the bills they do pay the bills um but also because they all do excellent work for the industry um and that is why we work with them so check out our sponsors particularly topcoder.com also uh shout out to our OGGN street team are, are you familiar with the street team no no okay so the so the street the the street team is kind of like any other street team you know they go out there and and um, a lot of what they do isn't on the literal streets these days uh you know it's a lot online but they but they help promote the events they do a lot of interesting things a lot of fun stuff for OGGN for the industry uh they're broken up into little sub teams and it's all led by this guy look this guy up Brian Mon M-A-H-N and if you'd like to be on the street team and get out from uh, behind the endless zoom calls and your dog staring at you while you're trying to work at home you can get involved with the street team Brian will put you to work right away and uh, I think now uh, we got some cool like there's a there's a cool hat or a cool shirt and some stickers or something I can't remember but we got swag for the street team now so so check that out um, as always thanks to our audio fixer guy Mr. Mac Roman who's going to make us sound fantastic and uh, that is going to do it for today folks we'll see you next time come back next week for yet another exhilarating expedition into the very real world of the best digital doers in the oil and gas industry a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.